the explosive new film, Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost, exposes secrets behind the government's takedown of General Michael Flynn. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. He told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. They had to get rid of Flynn. Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to SalemNow.com. SalemNow.com. Welcome to Let Us Reason, a Christian-Muslim dialogue with host Al Fadi. Let Us Reason is a unique show utilizing theology, apologetics, and evangelism to reach Muslims for Christ by comparing and contrasting Christian and Muslim doctrines. And now, your host, Al Fadi. Well, good morning, everyone. Uh, This is Al Fadi, and I want to thank you, as always, for tuning in uh, to Let Us Reason. I hope you're having a wonderful day, and uh, hopefully you're enjoying our um, podcast and uh, the the show that has been going on for um, pretty soon here. We'll hit the five-year mark. I think we have another uh, four or five weeks uh, left, uh, and uh, we uh, will celebrate our fifth year. So thank you so, uh, so much again for your partnership with us. Uh, today I am going to uh, basically... Uh, continue on with a series that I started it um, uh, a little uh, a while back, and uh, it has to do with examples, uh, for instance, of why uh, Islam in general uh, is a man-made product. And uh, sometimes I touch on uh, some of its sources, like I talk about why the Quran is a man-made product, or why Sharia is a man-made product, or why the Hadith or the saying of the Prophet are a man-made product. Today we're going to talk about uh, something that, uh, as a uh, former Muslim, when I grew up as a Muslim, I believed it with all my heart. And I guarantee you, most, if not all Muslims you're going to talk to, they're going to tell you the exact same thing. And the idea is that the Prophet of Islam uh, was sent with a universal message. Here's what I mean by that. Uh, the Quran, in, in a variety of ways and in multiple locations, tells you that Muslims have to believe in all the previous prophets, the books that these prophets brought with them or the messages. They have to believe in angels and so on and so forth. And also the perception uh, is that every prophet in the history of mankind, including Adam, by the way, because according to Islam, Adam is a prophet, uh, each one of them was sent to a specific group of people, that's their people, and they carried a message or a book with them, And this book or the message was in the language of the people. However, it's usually in the language of the prophet who happened to be from the people. Okay, so here's an example of what I mean by that to clarify it. In chapter 14 of the Quran, verse 4, we read the following. And we have sent no messenger save with the tongue of his people that he might make all clear to them. Then God leads astray whomever he will, and he guides whomever he will, and he is the Almighty, the All-Wise. Translation. Chapter 14, verse 4 of the Quran says that every group of people will receive a messenger from among them, and he carries a message in his own tongue, so indirectly in their tongue, right, you know, because he's one of them, so that he may clarify the message 
to them. But it's very clear. You have a group of people, and you have a prophet or a messenger that came from them. You have a message in the language of the prophet to clarify it to the people he's going to because they speak his language. The only problem is we do not really find any passages in the Quran that says Muhammad was sent with a message, basically, that is for all mankind in the languages of all mankind. The message that Muhammad brought over and over again emphasized in the Quran itself to be a message in the Arabic language. For instance, we look at chapter 12, that's chapter Joseph or Surah Yusuf. Chapter 12, verse 2 said the following, Verily, we have sent it down, meaning the Quran, as an Arabic Quran, in order that you may understand. Who is the you? Speaking to the people that Muhammad basically came to serve, who are the Arabs of his day. Started in Mecca, reached out to his own tribe, Quraysh, and others around him. Later moved on to Medina, but the message was always uh, to the Arabs. And even the Christians and the Jews that he interacted with were Arab, basically Christians and Arab Jews, who have settled in the Arabian Peninsula for many decades or centuries, who have been living there for a while. And therefore, the message in Arabic to them, even though they were either Christians or Jews, wasn't a surprise because they speak Arabic anyway. So, all that to say... The message of the Quran and the message of Muhammad was in the Arabic language. It was not in a language that is universal. Let me, let me draw your attention now to a comparison. Maybe that will make it a little bit uh, you know, uh, more powerful and even easier to uh, comprehend the note that I'm making here and also helpful to you when you're sharing it with, hopefully, your Muslim friends. It was around 200 B.C., give or take. Again, the dates is not exact, you know, but let's say 200 years before the coming of our Lord, that our great God, in His wisdom, allowed the Old Testament to be translated into the Greek language. Now, Hellenistic Greek, you know, and Hellenistic culture or Greek culture was taken over already because that happened at least... Uh, you know, uh, towards the, um, the, the end uh, of the Greek, cult, uh, at least, uh, empire and the beginning now of uh, other empires, including the Romans. And, you know, the, the idea is that one of the uh, emperors or the, um, you know, the, the governors, maybe, uh, the, the tradition is that it was in Alexandria, asked a group of Hellenistic Jews rabbis in this case, or scribes, to go ahead and translate to him the Old Testament in a Greek language because the Greek language became the predominant language. Even if people spoke a different language, Greek was their predominant language. Let's say in today's language, English, okay? Somebody will say, you know, translate something to me, uh, and you'll say, what language do you speak? They may say, like, German. You say, well, I don't speak German. They can say, oh, that's fine. Translate in English because... Everybody these days should understand English. So that was the case. So the Greek, uh, by the way, I mean, there's different theories about what I'm saying here, but uh, the predominant one is that was done by a group of 70 scribes, Jewish Hellenistic scribes who lived in Alexandria, supposedly, 
and they did the translation of the Old Testament, what we know today as the Septuagint. Now, let me be careful. There is different versions of that uh, story, and also the idea is that the Septuagint also may, may have been different translations as well. And there's another uh, theory. It, it, it was done in 70 days. Another one, uh, it says it was uh, basically done in a different area. Be it as it may, we know... We have evidence today of what we call the Septuagint. What is the Septuagint? The Septuagint basically is the Greek translation of the Old Testament. So when you go to a book like the book of Hebrews in the New Testament, and you look at quotations in there, and uh, the, the book of Hebrews is rich with quotations, especially in the first two to three chapters in comparing the supremacy of Christ to uh, others, like to the angels, uh, to uh, supremacy of Christ, to Moses, to Melchizedek, and the list can go on and on and on, you'll see that the author was quoting heavily from the Old Testament. But if you compare that quotation to the Old Testament in the same Bible, you'll see like the same message, but maybe there is slight variation. Why? Because the author was quoting actually from the Septuagint, and when you translate something, you're going to have to restructure the uh, basically, the sentence according to that language rules, but the message is still the same. So, all that to say is that the reason why it was done in Greek, because the majority of people understood the Greek language as the universal language. So, when Jesus says 200 years later, go and make disciples of all nations, he knew that the disciples, the apostles of Jesus, are going to share it in a message that the people will understand, whether that they speak the language of the people directly or they do it in the Greek. Either way, by God's wisdom, allowing the nations to have the privilege of hearing the gospel message and hopefully even accepting Christ as Lord and Savior. Contrast this now to the message of Islam that came 600 years after the time of Muhammad, uh, of Jesus. Now, before I uh, go on, uh, if you're tuning in, we'd like to welcome you. This is Al-Fadi, and you're listening to Let Us Reason. And today's topic has to do with uh, whether the message of Muhammad and Islam was universal or was local. And the reason why we're saying this is that Islam teaches that all the prophets before Muhammad or the messengers brought local messages to their own people, except the message of Muhammad was a universal message. But the challenge is the Quran itself disagrees with this, because in chapter 14 of the Quran, verse 4, if you listen to the beginning of the show today, I recited that, and I said it stated clearly that every time supposedly Allah sends a messenger, he sends him with a message of the people he's going to in the language of the prophet who came from the people so that the prophet will go and explain it to them. But the prophet comes from the same group of people. Therefore, he goes to them, sharing the message that they would understand, but he will clarify to them the intent behind this message. Not so, of course, with our true God who sent the gospel message uh, to the nations in the Greek language that was universally accepted. Arabic, on the other hand, was only limited to uh, the uh, Arab people, Arab tribes, which primarily was in the Arabian Peninsula and the uh, maybe some of the uh, peripheries, but uh, primarily the Arabian Peninsula. 
And uh, not all of the Arabian Peninsula, technically speaking, because on the eastern coast of the Arabian Peninsula, there was the Syriac church in there. So they spoke Syriac primarily. And in the south, there were uh, a lot of Jewish also and Christians. So they would have spoken different language in addition to Arabic as well. Nevertheless, the message of Islam was in Arabic. So why in the world then we are told that the message of Muhammad was a universal one? And how in the world would people who do not speak Arabic would have understood a message that came in a foreign language to them? In fact, today, today in the 21st century, you are going to meet Muslims. In fact, I just came back from Europe uh, and uh, I was in Belgium and I met a number of Muslims, converts to Islam, as a matter of fact, from um, you know European background. And, and their Arabic was broken. They're trying, they're laboring hard to learn Arabic, but Technically speaking, it's not an easy language, and they're not going to learn it overnight. And even if they did, you have few that have the privilege of understanding it right away and being able to even utilize it. All that to say is that they are at the mercy of whatever they're being told that the message of the Quran is saying. And we come across a number of questionable translations in the Quran because people do not understand what the Arabic meant. Therefore, they go by whatever the translator, the interpreter of the passage decided that that should be the right way to say it. One example is chapter 4, verse 34, where clearly stated that a husband have the right to beat his wife. Many translations will say, beat her lightly. The word is not there in Arabic, but many converts, of course, from a non-Arab background, they fall for that, and they, they think that that's exactly the meaning of the Arabic word. They don't speak Arabic. They don't understand Arabic. Therefore, they're at the mercy of those who, unfortunately, will end up deceiving them. Nevertheless, Back again to the question, was the message of Muhammad universal or was it limited to the Arabs? According to the Quran, chapter 12, verse 2, for instance, one example stated that verily we have sent down, uh, we have sent it down, meaning the Quran as an Arabic Quran, in order that you may understand. In another verse, in chapter 43, verses 2 to 3, it says, by the manifest book, verily, we have made it a Quran in Arabic. We have made it a Quran. The we here is reference to Allah. Okay? We have made it a Quran in Arabic that you may be able to understand, meaning, understand its message, its meaning, its admonitions, and so on and so forth. So we have just two quick examples here in the Quran that contradicted chapter 14, verse 4, that stated that every message and every messenger were sent to a specific group of people, their people, in the language that the people, uh, uh, in the language of the prophet who comes from those people, so that he might be able to under- explain it to them. And, you know, at the beginning uh, of uh, uh, Islam and the rise of Islam, that was true because Muhammad came from the Arabs, supposedly. He preached an Arabic message to them. He revealed revelations in Arabic. So all that, you know, was fine. The idea that Islam became universal is a little really troubling because the Quran itself doesn't support such an idea. For instance, we know that this was a hadith, or at least one of many hadith, that uh, insinuated now that Muhammad, technically speaking, was a universal prophet. Uh, For instance, Ibn Kathir, in his commentary on this chapter, chapter 14, verse 4, stated the following. He says that it is recorded in the two sahih, reference to two uh, basically hadith collections, sahih meaning authentic hadith, that Jabir said, 
that the messenger of Allah said, speaking of Muhammad, I have been given five things which were not given to anyone else before me. Allah made me victorious by frightening my enemies from a distance of a one month's journey, whatever that means. Number two, the earth has been made for me and my followers a place for worship and a purifier. Because sometimes you can use dirt, by the way, instead of water to purify yourself before prayer. Number three, the war booty, okay, meaning the uh, uh, basically, uh, uh, you know, uh, taken, um, uh, you know, other people's uh, properties during war, okay? So the war booty has been made lawful for me, and it was not lawful for anyone else before me. Number four, I have been given the right of intercession on the day of resurrection. Uh, By the way, Jesus had that right. And number five, every prophet used to be sent to his nation only, but I have been sent to all mankind. You find this in the Ibn Kathir, uh, basically, tafsir or commentaries. You can find an abridged one uh, online, by the way. Just go and type Ibn Kathir abridged commentary, and you'll come across that, uh, that site, and you can go to his stated interpretations of chapter 14, verse 4. And this supposedly, the tradition was mentioned in Sahih Bukhari, Volume 1, Book 7, Number 331, and Book 8, Number 429, and also in Sahih Muslim, Book 4, Hadith Number 1058. All that to say is that Ibn Kathir, by the way, recognizing the problem in Chapter 14, Verse 4, wanted to just calm the uh, the tide and, and assure his uh, hearers or readers later that the Prophet of Islam has the exception. Except the verse doesn't have an exception. The verse talks about all. You know, let's take a look at it again. It says, And we have sent no messenger save with the tongue of his people that he, the messenger, might make all clear to them. It didn't say, And we have sent no messenger except Muhammad. Or except you, O prophet, save with the tongue of his... We don't find such a thing. Therefore, this idea that the message of Islam is universal is a fabricated one, added later, not to mention that the hadith was collected, by the way, over 240-plus years after the death of the Prophet of Islam. And we don't have a tangible manuscript evidence of the hadith until almost 500 years after the time of Muhammad. So, any way you look at it, there is a problem. And that's another reason why all of these things, this is my view now, that it's been invented at a later time. Why? To It's almost like you invent something 200, 300, 400 years later and backtrack it again to the time that you wanted it to represent. So you write it in the year 1000, representing whatever events happened in the year 500. doesn't work that way, you know, but unfortunately that's what we're finding so far. So what does that even mean? All it means is that it appears that our Muslim friends are being deceived to think that their message is a universal message. How in the world would it be universal when their own book actually said it's not? Meaning, Every, if, if they deny that Muhammad is one of these prophets included in there, then they have a problem. But if they accept him as a prophet, then chapter 14, verse 4, clearly stated, clearly stated that Muhammad actually fits the bill and he was sent to only to the Arab people. Now, here's an interesting thing. 
right after this verse, the Quran gives us an example that contradicts actually what the verse itself says. For instance, it says, And we sent Moses with our signs, Bring forth thy people from the shadows to the light, and remind thou them of the days of God's. Surely in that are signs for every man enduring, thankful, and when Moses said to his people, Remember God's blessing upon you when he delivered you from the folk of Pharaoh who were visiting you with evil chastism, slaughtering your sons, sparing your women, and in that was a grievous trial from your Lord. Now, here's the interesting thing. Folks, did Moses speak Hebrew only, technically speaking, to the Hebrew people? Or did he communicate with Pharaoh also about letting the people of God go? And if we know anything about the history of of Egypt, Hebrew wasn't their language. Ancient, basically, Egyptian uh, was their language. Totally different than the Hebrew language. And the Quran acknowledged that he went and communicated with Pharaoh. How in the world did he communicate with Pharaoh? Not only he communicated with Pharaoh, he invited Pharaoh to accept the message of Allah. Okay? Now, in the Bible, we know clearly that he went and talked to him. We know that because he lived there. He spoke that language. He spent a long time, at least 40 years, in the courts of Pharaoh. That's why he learned that language. But be it as it may, the Quran acknowledged that Moses didn't just go to the Egyptians, uh, uh, to uh, the, the Hebrews, but he went also to the Egyptians and shared a message with them. So right there, the Quran contradicts itself. What about another contradiction that is found in chapter 40? Verses 28 to 34. Speaking of Joseph this time, where did Joseph end up? He ended up in Egypt, believe it or not. He lived there for most of his life. Therefore, he learned the language of the Egyptian people of his days, and he communicated with them. And therefore, if he, according to the Quran, is a messenger, and he was inviting the people of his days, the Pharaoh and the Egyptians, then he spoke their language if they were his people. Why in the world would he invite them if they were not his people? Why would you invite them? You would go and invite just the Hebrews, but the Hebrews weren't there. They came to him later towards the end of the famine, uh, or towards the beginning of the famine, I should say, that started. So you can see that there is some confusion here. What about Jonah? Was Jonah really sent to the Hebrew people? Why was he afraid? He was sent to the Assyrians, to the city of Nineveh. Okay, so surely he would have spoken also Aramaic, possibly, because Aramaic was considered to be the another universal language to that region. And it appears that God chose him to go because he knew the language. He knew how to share it with them. So we find such confusion, actually, in the Quran itself. But nowhere that we find that the message of Muhammad, according to those, was universal. We don't find an example in the Quran that Muhammad went to the Hebrew people and preached to them. You know, and or he went to the Romans and preached to them, or he went to this tribe and that tribe who are non Arab and, and preached to them. We don't find any of that. So, back again to the question why do my Muslim people think that the message of the Quran is a universal one when it's clear that it was in Arabic to the Arab people? Any manuscript we find in the Quran is always in Arabic. Our Muslim friends are always bragging about the fact that 
It is the message that came in Arabic, and it's written in Arabic. They mock us, and they say, well, Jesus speak, spoke Aramaic, but your message is in Greek. So, what does that even mean? I mean, why in the world do I have to worry about if Jesus spoke Aramaic and the gospel was written in Greek? Because God wanted the people to come to a saving knowledge. I mean, maybe the people of the days of Jesus, not all of them spoke Aramaic. Maybe even a handful spoke Aramaic. So what? In fact, in the book of Acts, at some point, Paul went to the synagogue and preached the gospel message in Aramaic, and the people were surprised that he even spoke that because they were expecting him to speak it in Hebrew to them, uh, in Greek, because that was the dominant language for them. So you get the message. Uh, My time is up, so I want to thank you for listening to us. I promise you that this particular series is going to be made now in video, and we are going to pick different examples as to why Islam is an invention of man. Until we meet again, have a blessed day. J. Flynn, head of the Pentagon Intelligence Agency, knew all the government's dirty secrets. He was one of the most respected generals in the military. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He understood its funding. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. The explosive new documentary, Flynn, deliver the truth, whatever the cost, and covers the facts behind this scandal. Flynn told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. I find out the worst enemy that I'm going to face in my life is right here in America. They took my assessment and they wanted me to change it. I was like, I'm not changing it. They had to get rid of Flynn. With in-depth interviews, archival footage, and never-before-seen personal record to the man behind the headlines. I just felt like I was drowning. Flynn. Deliver the truth, whatever the cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to salemnow.com. salemnow.com.